fill me Man's empty praise and Treasures that fade Are never enough And you came along To put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than you Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you I'm not afraid Lord, you've seen them all and still call me friends. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace will find me again. Oh, there's nothing. Turn bones into armies. 
You turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways You're the only Good morning. Welcome back from Easter. Uh, we're at a little different studio this week for our live stream video feed church service. Uh, we're coming to you from my house. Uh, I gave Seth the week off. He's been working really hard helping us get this all going and so I wanted to give him a little break and so we're doing it from home today. Uh, Kaylee is here running the computers and Courtney is back behind the camera so hopefully everything goes on without a glitch and we'll be able to get through this uh, we're excited to bring it to you from here today. Um, it's, it's been a great time. I hope you had a great Easter. I know that we did. Uh, it was very different. It was a very different Easter, but it was it was good. And uh, just looking at, at the numbers and, and the folks that were able to join us, even though it was virtually, I'm really encouraged by those things. I hope that you are too. Um, something I want you to consider. How many people heard the good news of Jesus for the first time ever last week? You might say, why would last week be any different from any other Easter? Well, I'll tell you how it'll be different. Uh, everyone was at home. People weren't traveling. People weren't busy going to work. People weren't doing the things that they typically would have done on a Sunday for them like no other. Easter didn't mean anything to a lot of people before last Sunday. And so how many people did God use last week to tune in for the very first time to hear the good news of Jesus' resurrection, whether on TV or on the internet, it is an incredible thing to think about. Uh, here's some numbers for you, and this is a, an interesting uh, number. This is only from the online.church platform that we're using, the one that we're using to chat with you right now beside this message. I, I hope that you've logged into that and you're actually talking with us. We wanna link to as many people, connect with as many people as we can via that service, but they did some number crunching of, of what their service provided, and so this is just through them. This isn't YouTube and Facebook and all the other channels and media that are out there. This is just churches that use the .online.church platform. We hosted over 31,000 different church services across the globe um, using just this platform. There are over 9.7 million people that tuned in to church services, again, just using this platform. This isn't all the other areas. This is just one specific thing. Uh, over 69,000 people used uh, this platform and connected with Christ in a new way, possibly even actually accepting Christ's salvation for the first time. An incredible thought. But most impressively, just using this software, just using their website, these church services, over 31,000 of them, connected with every someone in every single country on the planet. I want you to think about that for a moment. Just this platform. Who knows how many other platforms are out there, how many other church services were broadcast other ways, just a number we can't probably even imagine. Yet even just this platform connected with every single country on the planet, that is remarkable, it's incredible. Now it does not replace getting together in person. We long for that day when that happens. We're excited for that to happen. But maybe, maybe just maybe, it has introduced the gospel to an entirely new set of believers all over the world. And what I want you to consider is this. 
as these things change, as our world changes and we begin to gather once again, we, the church, have to be willing to welcome all of those new believers into the family of God, into the bride of Christ, the big C church across this globe. We've got to welcome them into our doors, the little C churches like Berea and all the others spread out all over our country and across this world when God allows us to bring everyone together once again. Let's pray for that moment right now. Father God, I thank you for that opportunity. I pray so many people maybe discovered you for the very first time and heard the story of your son for the very first time last week. I pray that uh, the church is intentional about following up. And by church, I don't mean Berea. I mean the people that make up Berea and make up every other church on this planet. I pray that we go out, we seek those that have made these decisions, that have found Christ for the first time, and we welcome them into our gatherings. We welcome them into the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, so that they can fulfill their God-given purposes within those and continue to learn and grow closer to you. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to meet in this way, and we do long for the day where we can all meet together once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I am excited about some of the ideas and things that McKenna has been working on. Uh, when we originally talked several weeks ago, we just said, hey, be creative, have fun with it. Uh, come up with some new ideas. We'll try things. If they work, great. If they don't, great. We'll try something new. And so this next week, we're going to begin trying something totally new and different. I'm super excited about the ideas that God has given her to help us better minister to our kids and really better to minister together as a family. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So parents and kids, if you're watching, watch this next video of McKenna very closely. Listen to these details. Hi, church family. I am so excited to be able to talk to you guys today. And I especially wanted to take some time to talk to our kiddos. So kiddos, if you guys are watching, tune in because I'm gonna tell you a little something about the lesson that you'll be learning with your parents today. So last week we talked all about Jesus's resurrection. And I don't know if you quite remember, but resurrection is what happened when Jesus died and then came back to life again. It's something that no one else does. Only Jesus did that. How cool is that? So coming back to life isn't normal like I just said, right? So there were some people in Jesus's day who had a hard time believing that. And this story that you're gonna learn about today, kids, parents were learning about something a little bit different, but kids, the story you're learning about today is all about a man named Doubting Thomas and how he had a hard time believing Jesus, but ultimately about how Jesus helped him. So I hope you enjoy that activity. Um, parents, the little, pamphlet for that or however you want to say it the guide for that is up on our website um, underneath the children's and family tab as well as on our very front home page so i hope you guys have a great time doing that so we've been going for i think this is like three or four weeks now um, of online services and online things like that i've kind of been doing things a little bit more sporadic for kids just trying to figure out how long this is going to last how long we're going to be at home and how often we're going to be doing things online but i've been able to set forth a plan um, to kind of go forward from here until we are able to meet again in person so first things first is I made a little schedule of what we're going to be doing each week for you and your kiddos. And hey, everyone else, if you want to join along too, join along. This isn't just for kids. This could be for any adults who want to join. But every Tuesday during the afternoon time, I'm going to be posting a story time with Miss McKenna video on our Facebook. 
And then on Thursdays, we're gonna try something new. And if this doesn't work, we'll do something else on Thursdays. But I really wanna see um, if we can get a couple groups together to do some Zoom calls. I'm hoping to do some worship songs during that time um, because we haven't been able to do that quite yet. So my plan is for preschoolers um, to get a group together for 2 p.m. on Thursdays and for elementary kids, that's kindergarten through fifth grade, we'll be meeting at 3 p.m. on Thursdays. So if you are interested in that, please email me um, or message me on Facebook, however you can get a hold of me, get a hold of me and let me know that that's something you're interested in. I think we'll also be sending it out in an email if we haven't already um, to get your information because Zoom calls is something, if you don't know, where I have to email you or text you a link and then you click on that link and then bam, you're right there and we can all see each other's faces and chat and do all kinds of fun things. So something really fun, um, Kristen Howell actually sent the idea to me. If you guys have any really great ideas or things you've been seeing that you really think that we might benefit from here at Berea, go ahead and send it my way. Um, I can't guarantee we're gonna do all of them, but I love getting new ideas. It's a great time for lots of creativity and new ideas. But if you have ever heard of Flat Stanley, we're doing a version with Jesus. And what we're gonna be doing with that is I want you guys to go ahead and color Jesus, um, cut him out. Kids can do this, adults can do this, whoever wants to do this can do this. Um, and go ahead and laminate him or maybe do it on cardstock if you have cardstock um, or put some clear tape, packing tape over him just to make him a little bit more stable. And then throughout quarantine, whatever adventures you go on, make sure to take a picture with your Jesus. Because Jesus, of course, is always with us. And this is just a fun way to showcase that. So whether you're going outside or sitting at home or playing a game or anything like that, make sure to share a picture and send it to Berea Kingdom Kids. If you don't send it to Berea Kingdom Kids on Facebook, you can always post it and hashtag Berea Kingdom Kids as well. That way we can all share in the fun. And maybe if we get enough pictures, we can do a little video compilation on some of the upcoming sermons. So that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you have a great day. I miss seeing your faces, um, but I'm so excited that we get the opportunity to chat with each other um, via the online chat and other things like that. So have a great day, guys. Bye. Families on the screen right now, you'll see the calendar of things that McKenna is doing throughout the week. So make sure you get your calendars out, get your phone out, put it on there, put a, a, a time on there, schedule it, set an alert like I have to, set a reminder to remind you at two o'clock that on Thursdays at two o'clock, we're gonna do uh, some Zoom worship with uh, some of our younger kids and then at three o'clock with our older kids. McKenna's excited about doing that. Keep joining her on Tuesdays um, to uh, jump into the story time with McKenna. Uh, that's a fun time. It could be, you can watch it anytime, but it'll be posted on Tuesday afternoons. If you haven't already, go ahead and send her your contact information. You can email her, McKenna at bccbrazil.org. It's really simple to do. Or you can contact her on Facebook. Get her your information so she can get you all set up. You got to get an invitation to that Zoom call um, coming up on Thursday at 2 or at 3. The other thing is I'm excited about that little Jesus project that she has us doing here, this, the Flat Jesus, if you will, project that they're doing. Print that off. Uh, that link is found on our website. On the um, should be on our homepage, but it's also on the Kingdom Kids page as well. Print that off and uh, get Jesus out there in the mail. See where all we can send him. Who knows? Maybe he'll go all over the world and we'll start getting pictures back. Uh, should be a lot of fun for the kids. Uh, we're at home the rest of the summer, everybody. So this should be a fun project for our kids um, 
throughout the summer. There's no more school for them to go to. So uh, get them involved in that. We are excited to keep you guys, families, kids, everybody engaged and growing together closer to Christ through this time period. Good morning, Bria. I just wanted to share a little bit about a verse that um, I was thinking about when I was thinking about a song that I love. It's Romans 5, 8. Uh, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there's a song that I love that I think really demonstrates and has a vivid picture of that love, and it's how deep the Father's love. Um, and so I hope that you can sing along with me as I share this with you this morning. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond a measure, that he should give his only son to make rich his treasure. my the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon a cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed i hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished yes it is finished oh yes it is finished oh i will not boast in anything no gifts no power no wisdom but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Yes, this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom.
I hope you are enjoying uh, the worship elements that we're beginning to incorporate in. I'm so grateful for all of our worship team uh, participating in that and sending me things um, to, to be able to put together uh, to share with all of you guys. I love sharing each other's uh, faces and comments and, and musical skills uh, with all of you. Uh, it just kind of makes it a little bit more like home. So we're beginning the book of James today. In particular, we're going to talk about the man James, who he was, why we should listen to him, and, and things like that. The title, Live Prepared. I, I don't think there's any debate around right now whether or not we're in some troubled times. Now, these are difficult times, absolutely, not just for us, but for those all around us. And yes, a lot of the world experiences a lot more difficulty than we are here. We understand that we're, we're definitely a blessed people for sure. But nonetheless, it is a difficult time. And that is why it makes the book of James so relevant for us today. From the very start of the letter, James kind of throws it out there. He tells us, hey, you know what? This life is hard. So what are you going to do about it? (laughs) And then he begins to offer advice. The amazing thing is James' advice happens to correspond perfectly with the advice of his brother. Who was his brother? (laughs) Well, his brother's name was was Jesus. Um, We'll get into that here in just a little bit. But what what James didn't directly get from Jesus, well, James got a lot of it from the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature to, to help advise and help us get through this life. His entire letter is as meaningful and as applicable for us today in our lives as it was to those first century scattered believers of the early church. Now, the letter is a very different kind of letter. It's not like a letter of Paul's. It's not personally addressed. It doesn't seem to address a specific issue or need within a specific church. James addresses this letter simply to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Not a lot of specificity there. The letter was written to Jewish Christians who had been scattered through the dispersion that had taken place across the Roman Empire. Now, the Christians were all dispersed because of the persecution that had arose in Jerusalem. At the moment of the stoning of Stephen, it says that the the church was then scattered throughout the Roman Empire in Acts chapter 8. The dispersion began right after the stoning of Stephen in in chapter 7. God permitted this test of that first church in Jerusalem for a purpose. Had there been no dispersion, had there been no scattering of the early church, then Christians would have stayed in Jerusalem and the growth of the church would have been hindered greatly. Instead, within one generation, the gospel of Jesus Christ spread across the entire known world all the way to the city of Rome itself. James wrote this letter to Christians who had been forced to leave their homeland, forced to leave everything they had behind, their homes, their jobs, and their property. Could God use James' words to speak to us today? Well, yes. Spiritually speaking, we are in exile right now. This world is not our home. We are just a passing through. We long to spend eternity with Christ in heaven, but there's more. Practically, James, is, James was speaking to those who had been persecuted, those who were living in complex, contrary, even a confrontational culture who did not believe in what they were preaching, did not believe what they believed. And in order to teach these people how to deal with the stress and the pressures and the trials associated with this newfound faith in an unbelieving world. He was writing to women who were at their wits 
end. He was writing to their children who were screaming and crying and, and just upset because they were trying to adjust to this new normal, their new surroundings, all the things that they left behind. He was writing to men who had lost their jobs and likely the sense of dignity as well. The people who read this letter would have literally been hanging on by a thread. The persecution had driven them from their homelands and from everything that they knew. They were wrestling with how to live out what they believed. <laughs> Does that any of that sound familiar? Any moms kind of at their last rope right now? Maybe the kids kind of going crazy because of this new normal. Maybe your teenagers are upset because they don't get to see their friends and hang out with them all the time like they were prior. Yeah, speaks to a lot of us. Maybe you have lost your job, at least temporarily, or, or maybe your business has been forced to close. So many things are parallel to what is happening right now. James gives us practical instruction for everyone who follows Jesus. And one of the really cool things about James and the way he writes is there are so many things that he sums up in quick little one-liners. Some of the most famous sayings in all of the Bible are found in the book of James. It's simple, it's easy to understand, but he will challenge you if you let him. Even if you've been a believer for a very long time, James's words inspire us to rely more on Jesus and to become more like him in every single aspect of our life. Finally, this is simply a great way to study together as a group. Now, you know, I've told you before, this is my favorite way to preach and teach is to just take a book of the Bible and go through it verse by verse together with all of you. Every one of us can open our app, we can open our Bible, we can turn right to the text, we can follow right along, we can ask God to prepare our hearts for this, we can read through it the week before, we can sit with our families and have them read it the week before and be prepared for how God might speak to us each week as a family. We can dive in deeper over the course of the week because we can go back and reflect and relook at some of those passages that maybe challenge us or maybe things that we don't understand. It is a great way to connect all of us, the church, the big C church, the bride of Christ together in our spiritual growth with one another. We can and should have conversations with one another about the text that we're studying because the reality is some of us might have a better understanding of the text, certain aspects of it than others. So maybe we can share some additional insights with those other people. Others might be brand new to some of these teachings and have really no understanding, so they need further explanation. And you and I can jump in and help those people out. Still others might be confronted with this text that they've heard maybe many times before, but, but confronted in a brand new way. See, James doesn't pull any punches. He just puts it all out there and he says, hey, this is how it is. Deal with it. <laughs> so why should we listen to James? What was it like to be James? Let's start with the very simplest comparison. Uh, James was a younger brother. Now, I have absolutely no idea what that means because I was the oldest sibling, but I'm sure that some of you do know what it's like to have an older brother, older sisters. Maybe many of you had some difficulties. You had a hard time living up to the expectations that your older brother or sister set for you. Maybe you uh, followed them in school and weren't quite the same student that they were. I'm sure that happened to a few of you. Maybe some of you played sports like they did and you came along behind them and you were not quite the same athlete that they were at least perceived, maybe even by the same coach depending on uh, what schools you went to and, and things like that. Even things around the home, the older sibling can set a pretty high standard 
sometimes for other people, and it's tough to attain that. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine if Jesus was your older brother. He, he never sinned. Pick a chore. Jesus just didn't do it. He did it when he was asked because he didn't disobey his parents. Pick a subject in school. Jesus would have had mastery over that subject. His attitude? No, never had one. Did he talk back? No, never, never talked back. Disrespectful? No, never. Nothing but honor for his mother and father, Mary and Joseph. And then you came along, right? How do you follow that? It's a great question because here's the thing. Jesus wouldn't have only been the hardest worker, the most respectful, had the best attitude of everyone, all the while being the best student, the best son, the most helpful student, the most helpful son. But here's the other little thing to go with it. He would have been the all those exact same things to you as his younger sibling. Think about that. He would have been the most helpful big brother. He would have been the most useful, uh, honors, uh, respectful. He would have treated everybody the same, including you, being their younger sibling. Imagine what that would have been like, right? There's nothing recorded at all about Jesus' relationship with his siblings while they were kids. We, we know nothing at all. So we don't know what type of relationship that we had. As a matter of fact, we don't hear anything about any of them until Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 53. This is very early on in Jesus' ministry, and he has just come back from performing some miracles. It says, or, or teaching some parables. Whenever Jesus had returned and finished these parables, he moved on from there. He came to his hometown and he began preaching and teaching the people in their synagogues. And they asked, where did he get these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And it says they took offense at him. Jesus replied to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own home. And as a result, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. This is where it's first revealed to us that people are beginning to understand that this is Joseph's son. This is Mary's son. This is the brother of James, Joseph, Simon, and Jesus. Now that order would indicate that probably James would have been the oldest of those brothers. It also is revealed there that Jesus had some sisters as well. Now we don't really hear much about those other people. As a result, there was a lack of faith in his town. The people rejected him in his own town, even though maybe they knew, they saw even what he was doing. For some reason, he was without honor in his hometown because they knew his family. They knew he wasn't anything special, right? So they denied who he actually was. There was a lack of faith, and so there were very few miracles performed in that community. I wonder, as I read that, whether or not Matthew was alluding and including Jesus' own siblings, his own family, into that mix of people that did not believe, people that were without faith. Matthew isn't crystal clear on that, but Mark begins to paint the picture for us. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is home, and he's teaching a large, large crowd. It's a big gathering in a house. Here's the scene. His family had heard that Jesus was there, and he was teaching in this household. And so they heard about it. They went 
to take charge of him. For they said he is out of his mind. Think about that. They think Jesus is crazy. They think he's gone insane. The religious leaders of the law, they came down from Jerusalem and they said he's possessed. He's possessed by a demon, Beelzebul. The prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So here's your, here's your scene. Mom Mary is concerned about Jesus. She grabs the brothers together and says, hey, your older brother has gone crazy. We got to go save him. <laughs> Think about the irony in that statement. My, Mary and the brothers are going to save Jesus, the savior of the world. It's an interesting thought. Were they trying to protect him? Yeah, probably so. Maybe they were trying to protect their family name a little bit as well. The religious leaders are saying, hey, this man is, is possessed by a demon. And Jesus shuts that down real quick. He says, Satan can't drive out Satan. This is the scene where Jesus famously quotes the words of Abraham Lincoln. Yes, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Okay, you're right. Abe was the one quoting Jesus, but you get the picture, right? His family sent word into the crowded house to let him know they were there and ask him to come with them to save Jesus from those that were wishing to harm him. And Jesus' mother and brothers, they send this word in. They send someone to call him. And the crowd was sitting around. They told him, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here. They're looking for you. They want you to come out. And Jesus replies, who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around them and he said, here, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus turns their request in not to a denial of who his birth family is, but into a revelation that those who believe in God are now adopted into his heavenly family. He's not shared that before. This is a new teaching. Man, that guy is good. Think about what he did here. Only Jesus could take a moment where they think he has lost his mind, where he's gone crazy, and turn that moment into an extension of God's love and grace toward all of mankind. But there's one more scene that reveals a little bit about who James is and how Jesus' brothers, including James, felt about him. We find it in John's Gospel, chapter 7. It is time for the Jewish festival of the tabernacles, and Jesus is sticking around Galilee. John tells us that he didn't want to go to the festival because the Jewish leaders there were trying to kill him. Now, for me personally, I think I would side with Jesus on this case. Um, I wouldn't want to go either. Would you want to go to a town where you know there are people there who want to kill you? It only makes sense to want to stay at home, doesn't it? Anyway, seems like a good idea, but as younger brothers took this opportunity to challenge him, to push Jesus a little bit. John chapter 7, verse 2, is where this story is shown. When the Jewish festival of the tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Hey, leave Galilee, go into Judea, and show your disciples there the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure does so in secret. And since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. In verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now, there could have been two reasons why they were pushing Jesus in this way. 
Hey, big brother, if you really want to be a big shot, if you really want to be famous, don't you think you need to go and head over to that festival and start performing for everyone so that they can see all the things that you're doing? Make a name for yourself. I'm sure everybody there is waiting for you, Jesus. Come on, go ahead. Go see. Go be famous. You can't be famous here staying at home in this little podunk town. You got to get to the big city and make that name for yourself. Maybe they were mocking him. Absolutely. They could have been if they didn't believe. But hey, maybe there was just a little bit of hope that maybe it was real. Because hey, if Big Brother goes to town and he becomes this huge figure, this huge famous person, right? Then what's that make you, little brother? Yeah, you get to ride his coattails a little bit. You're pretty famous then too. Yeah, that's my bro. Yeah, I'm with him absolutely everywhere he goes. So either way, it doesn't matter. Here's the reality. It's all summed up in verse 5. But even his own brothers did not believe in him. I want you to consider that. We talked about the rejection of Jesus last week as as he approached the death on the cross, but the rejection started far longer ago than that moment. His brothers had disowned him a long time ago. They did not believe in who he said he was. I'm sure that many of you have experienced some difficult times with some of your siblings over the years. Jesus did too. In fact, all signs point to the reality that when Jesus was executed, James and his other brothers not only didn't believe, they weren't even present at his death. Jesus gives the hand of his mother Mary to his loyal disciple John, not to one of his brothers, which probably, if James was in fact the oldest, should have been James. Why weren't they there? Were they too broken-hearted to even be there for their own mother? Were they too angry with Jesus for not listening to them for all these years to them to quit pretending to be something that he was not? They were so angry with him that they were not even there for their own mother. In their eyes, he would not stop pretending to be something that he was not. Now look at the pain that has caused their family. Look at the pain that has caused their mother specifically Mary, in their eyes, Jesus had died a fool and wanted nothing to do with them. I share all of this with you because it is absolutely essential, absolutely essential part of the story of James. James, the half-brother of Jesus. James, who did not believe. James, who was not there for his brother nor his mother in her greatest time of need, since James went on to become the leader of the first church in Jerusalem. James, who was one of the most respected leaders in all of the early church. James, who was the one making decisions, writing letters, which determined the course of the faith during the ministry of people like Paul. And James, who was inspired by God to write this letter to the Jewish Christians and to us today, how on earth did that happen? How was his life so radically changed from a man, a brother who did not believe, to this incredible leader, founder of the faith? What happened? Well, here's the thing we don't know exactly. The scene is never specifically recorded. All we have is one line, not even a full sentence, from Paul. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, Paul states this. After Jesus' resurrection, then he, Jesus, appeared to James. <laughs> That's it. After the resurrection, then he, Jesus, appeared to James. 
Jesus made a personal appearance to James. James, who thought he was crazy. James, who would not only, who would not believe. James, who abandoned Jesus and his mom. Jesus came to James. That is important. Now, Jesus didn't do what I would have done. Uh, Jesus didn't come in the big brother and say, hey, little bro, I told you so. He didn't do that. He didn't come to gloat. No. Now he came to meet with him, to offer proof of who he actually was. He came to James to show him how to forgive. He came to James to show him the love of God firsthand. Can I tell you, that's exactly what Jesus does to you today. Jesus comes to you today to show you who he is. Jesus comes to you today to forgive you. Jesus comes to you today to love you right where you are right now, just like he did his doubting, unbelieving brother. It's incredible. I know, verse 17 of chapter, yeah, verse seven, seven, verse seven of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians seems to be just a little half of a throwaway line, has no bearing on anything until you consider its, its significance. Why did Paul specifically mention James? Here's my belief. It doesn't say this. We're we're reading about people here. We're reading into their lives and wondering, why would Paul say that? How would he know that James had a personal encounter with Jesus? Well, I believe that's because James had a conversion story. A conversion story of that moment when Jesus met with him after the resurrection. I believe that James shared that conversion story with Paul. Why? because Paul had a very similar story. Paul didn't believe. Paul not only didn't believe, Paul was trying to end belief. He was trying to get rid of Jesus's story. He was trying to get rid of the Christian faith before it could even get started. There were a lot of similarities between these two men who did not believe in Jesus, and Jesus made a personal appearance to both of them. And I wonder if maybe sometime sitting over dinner, James didn't sit down and share that story with Paul. They shared a lot of things in common. I believe as a result, those two had a tremendous respect for one another in the faith. In the book of Acts chapter 15, we read about this great controversy that had arose in the early church having to do with the Jewish Christians wanting the Gentile believers to become more Jewish. And I can leave it at that, but that was the fight. This, 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 this problem could have literally ended the church before it really got started. It could have separated the church into two completely different factions, but there was a problem because even in those early years, the church had already become intertwined. As a matter of fact, those Gentile churches were largely responsible for supporting the church in Jerusalem. Great poverty, even famine, things like that had broken out in the church, and they needed resources to to meet the needs of the people in Jerusalem, and it was the Gentiles providing those resources. And so if this had happened, this would have devastated everything, ruined the whole movement. It was a tough time for the church. So who was it that cast the deciding vote in how to handle this situation? Well, take a guess. The most, the biggest voice in the room, if you will, the most respected voice in the room. Yes, Peter spoke and Peter began the process of explaining the right way to go. 
But it was James. It was James who sealed the deal, who closed the argument, who made things official. He says it this way, brothers, listen to me. Peter has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it was written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That is the rest of mankind, that that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, this is James speaking, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. (laughs) Yeah, we should not make it difficult to turn to God. Amen, Brother James. Why should we take James's words to heart? Why should we listen to the things he teaches in his book? Why does he seem so gruff, so matter of fact, to the point at times? Why does he seem to be telling us, hey, this is the way it is, so deal with it? Well, because he's been there. You see, people that have gone through those life experiences before, they carry a certain weight. Their voice is worth listening to, and James definitely fits that bill. When James talks about doubting, When James talks about doubting, has there ever been anyone on planet Earth who doubted more than James? Who doubted the reality of who Jesus was more than James did? When James talks about the tongue, can you imagine the things he said both under his breath and to his other siblings about his older brother, Jesus? When James talks about favoritism, judgment, trials, temptation, and faith, he is sharing with us things that he has been through things that he has dealt with, and now he finds that the teachings of his brother Jesus, he finds that those teachings are absolutely correct in every single way, and he wants to emphasize their importance to each of us. He, James, was guilty, guilty, guilty as charged, and now he is forgiven. He is redeemed. He has been set free. He has been given a new life through the sacrifice made not just by Jesus, but by Jesus, his brother. That's a pretty big impact. This conversion for James was personal on every level. He had sinned against God, but God was his brother. Jesus, can you imagine the impact that had on his life? Church, we've got to take his words to heart. If you are not a believer yet, then James, the man, knows exactly what you are dealing with right now. He knows exactly where you are right now. He was never willing to give Jesus a shot. And Jesus was his very own brother, (laughs) brothers and sisters in Christ. Those that are seeking hope in this troubled time, don't let these times bring you down. Don't let the factors that are beyond our control ruin your life or ruin your relationships. There is truly nothing that we can do to change our immediate circumstances. What we can and will do is continually pray because we know that God will be the one that ultimately changes these things, not you. God can help us in this time. He can use this time that we're going through right now to help us grow closer to him. He can use this time to meet with us in moments like these to help us grow closer to him, stronger in our faith as we read his word. God can help us use this time to unite 
as a church to refocus our mission as believers reaching out to seek and save the lost. We can use this time to allow God to work on us, to call us to repent of the sin in our lives. Right now is a time of invitation. Is there something you need to repent of? Maybe this time, this forced time together with family and at home and away even from work and things, maybe this is a sin of neglect that we need to repent of. Think of it. Maybe we've been neglecting the time that we should be spending with God and his word and in prayer. Maybe leading up to this time, we had been neglecting the time we need to spend with our spouse, with our kids, growing closer to them through the years. Maybe we were too focused on our own lives and we lost track of those in need all around us. Now, we've been called to repent. Maybe today, as individuals, as the church, and even as the nation of these sins of neglect that have existed in our life. If you have never given your life to Christ, then James, there would be nothing James could be more happy about than his words somehow being used to lead you closer to his brother and his savior, Jesus. And we do have that opportunity right now as you're watching to click that button, make a decision for Christ today. It'll reach right out to us and you'll have an opportunity to contact us. We can follow up with you and share with you more about what that decision means. Don't miss this opportunity. And if you're a believer in Christ and you've realized during this time that you were neglecting a lot of things, then we pray that God's word can move you closer to him, closer to your spouse, closer to your family, can mend broken relationships. Hit that prayer button on that screen. Let us pray for you right now as you come forward, if you will, to repent of that sin of neglect that has existed in your life today. One of the incredible things that we get to do each and every week, even in this virtual world, is we get to share in the Lord's Supper together. And I, I hope that you have those emblems made. I, I know that some of you have even intentionally gone to the store and got grape juice and things like that. That is great that you're partaking of it in the, the traditional way. But uh, God calls us to remember this each and every time we gather. And no, physically, we're not gathering. We are virtually gathering. And so I want you to take a moment with me as we take this bread that represents the broken body of our Savior. Uh, I can't imagine the first time that James got to partake the Lord's Supper as the disciples probably were the ones to lead him through this and he remembered the broken body of his brother who had now become his Savior. What an incredible moment that would have been. You can imagine... Can you imagine James partaking of the juice, the wine at that time that represented his brothers, <laughs> spilled blood for him, the forgiveness of his sins? I can't imagine that emotional impact that James would have had with the Lord's Supper from that moment on as he learned what these traditional Passover emblems now represented. Take and drink. As we close today, I just want to again thank all of you that have been incredibly generous over these weeks we've been apart. Um, if you haven't been able to give yet, we want to encourage you um, to do that. There's a number of ways 
that you can. We have had, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we never had anyone use the text to give option, but we have now. It's really simple. Uh, you just text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and it walks you through the steps on how to do it. Just select Berea Christian Church. You can go to the link right here on this page, probably right in that chat. The word give is right there for you to select and, and set that up. We've helped people walk through how to uh, set up their accounts and things that way so they can give online that way. It's a great way to give as well. Uh, you can also still mail things to the church. That still gets collected and, and can be deposited that way as well. <clears throat> Not only are we trying to sustain the church and, and its expenses, the physical expense of the church during this time, but we're trying to build up and prepare for the moment that God launches so this summer we can just go crazy outreach in, the, in, the, in our community. And so we're looking for ideas, we're looking for ways, and uh, we know that God will provide the resources that we need for that. So thank you for your generosity during this time. We pray that that can continue. And if you haven't been able to give so far, we pray that God moves you to do that at this time now. Finally today, I mentioned earlier at the very beginning of the message that this is my favorite way to teach and to preach. And one of the reasons why is because you and I can study the exact same things throughout the week. So here's what I need you to do. Uh, next week, take a moment at some point in time, open your Bibles to the back, find the book of James chapter 1, Read verses 1 through 12, just 1 through 12. Don't go past that. Just go 1 through 12 and see what God speaks to you. See how God opens your heart to receive his word next week. Who knows what direction he might take you between now and then. So, so dive into his word, study it, and then we'll study it together and see what things God reveals to you. Here's what I want you to do. Make a commitment right now to your brothers and sisters, the people around you on your couch. Make a commitment to them and to us as church that you will read this this week and be prepared to join us next week as we begin our study in the book of James together. And don't forget to grab your kids, pull them all together, and start sharing with them those Kingdom Kids online materials. God wants you to be prepared in Him for whatever lies ahead. I'm excited to begin this preparation together with all of you. Have a great week. The weather is going to get warmer this week. I'm so excited about that. Last week was miserable in the weather department, but that was for a purpose too. We don't know what it was, but it was for a purpose. Now God is going to bless us with a great week of weather, and I can't wait to be outside enjoying his creation. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week, Sunday, 10 a.m., bccbrazil.org. Have a great week.